success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And I am so excited to introduce you to this invincible one today. Dr. Kristen Wins is a child and adolescent psychologist who owns Wins Family Psychology, a child adolescent specialty private practice with locations all over North Carolina. Her practice has been in the community for over 15 years and is often recognized as one of the top child adolescent practices throughout North Carolina. Dr. Wins is frequently sought out by media as a local expert on psychology and parenting issues for radio shows, TV, news, magazines like Carolina Parent and TV shows like My Carolina. She was the relationship columnist for a national magazine, All You, and is the author of the No Wimpy Parenting Handbook. No Wimpy Parenting coaching services are available to help parents struggling with behavior or discipline problems at home. Dr. Wins is a frequently invited speaker and guest for podcasts, workshops at schools, churches, and community events. Through her successful 20-plus year career as a psychologist, Dr. Wins witnessed firsthand how laughter offers emotional, physical, and spiritual pain relief on demand. After decades of using humor in sessions with clients, with her staff, during the toughest times of the pandemic, and in her personal life, Dr. Wins realized there was a natural intersection in her two loves, psychology and humor. She began doing stand-up comedy as Kiki in 2022 and had a quick rise to success as audiences responded immediately to her hilarious life observations, high energy, and vulnerability. Kiki now offers humor coaching to help individuals and businesses use humor to increase confidence, battle emotional problems, and improve workplace culture and relations. Dr. Wins will help you utilize the power of humor in a completely customized way. Oh my gosh. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Wins to the She's Invincible show. We are so excited to have you here today. And I expect that we are going to laugh our way through this entire episode. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh. How fun. How fun. You know, Meeting you, I, like, and fight, and I, I knew you were hysterical when I met you. Then I found out you were doing comedy, which I wasn't surprised. I thought, why waste that talent? But oh my gosh, how fun! And just for our listeners, I feel like we need to kind of paint the scene here <laughs> of okay. how we met, how this friendship started, and how how we're collaborating today and bringing you this great topic that the world needs to hear right now. So you all know, if you know anything about me, you know my love for Aruba. I spend oh, months over of, over a year, I would say, uh, there uh, meeting new people, enjoying the beach and the and the, the Aruban people and the food and all the fun. And I ha was just actually telling Christy that most of the people that I met that I absolutely adore were on the Sunset Sail Cruise. <laughs> so every time I go, it's a must, right? And Christy, was that your first time? Yes, first time, and it was on my birthday. On your birthday, I remember yes. that. Yes. And we don't have to tell them what birthday it was, but it was on her <laughs> birthday, and she came to celebrate the birthday. And man, did we do that. We had so much fun. So anyway, we met and had a few rum punches, <laughs> which was super fun, and it was great music and people and just amazing times. And Christy's all carrying on with her friend, her new friend, we should say, right? 
I had my good friend and then a new friend that I started dancing with. So yeah, both represented. That's how it happens. Best friends are made in Aruba on, on the sunset sale. So in any case, while she was having fun with her friends, her husband and I started talking about uh, just Aruba and just morphing into what do you do? Well, what do you do? And we end up finding out that Christy is a psychologist and that her amazing, sweet, kind husband, Kevin, is her sidekick. And I say that in a, in a funny way, uh, and I'll explain that after. But um, he is like the genius of marketing and PR around their their family practice. And so uh, it just was such an amazing conversation at the end. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have got to have this woman on my show so Kevin and I kind of worked it all out. And then we just brought Christy in at the end and was like, hey, you're going to be on the show. <laughs> and, and that was it. But so much fun. And, you know, I think I absolutely uh, fell to adore this woman uh, towards the very end. We were all taking pictures and her husband was feeling a little eh, edgy about the whole boat ride. And we're walking, they're walking across the canvas straps in the front of the boat. And this little stinker starts hopping. She's hopping. She's trying to walk him across the, the thing so they can get a great picture with the sunset behind them. And she starts hopping like a bunny. And he's like in the middle, like, oh, no, what is happening? And of course, he expected it. They've been married forever. He knows what right. she's going to do next. <laughs> but that's when I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so cruel. <laughs> and I think I love you. Brat. I think that's the name I, you gave me. I did. I said, you're a brat. I said, that, yeah, but that's when I knew we were going to be <laughs> lifelong friends. And you have the perfect mate because he could handle it. And, and that was so fun. And so do you want to share anything else about that night? Uh, what a birthday <laughs> celebration. I think you captured it very well, but I love how you never know with first impressions. Like I kind of caught your eye being a little silly, being over the top and then bouncing my husband. And you never know where those moments are, are going to take you. It was a, a magical night in all kinds of ways. It was so fun. I can't wait to do it again. We're going to have to coordinate a trip. Let's so do we, it. We can do it again and meet more great people, right? Oh my gosh. All right. We are jumping in. Christy, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Okay. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so my path probably has three branches. So the big one, my psychologist career, um, I'm a little unusual in that from the moment I took my first psychology class in high school, I fell in love with it. I said, I'm going to be a psychologist. I even knew back then I wanted to be a child psychologist and I never looked back. So I went pretty speedily from high school, college, grad school, got my PhD and then opened up a practice um, after that. But that passion was always really clear. And it's kind of funny how, you know, I should know and connect dots really easily when it comes to how our childhood influences us. But I kid you not, it was only in recent years that I put together more, oh, I wonder if I really liked child psychology in particular because I never had therapy as a kid, but I sure could have used it. Um, so to really want to offer something to our youth that I never had, but that I knew could really help me. Um, and even the specialty of my clinical work and my research and my practice is um, high conflict divorce stuff. And eventually I was like, huh, I wonder if that has anything to do with just coming out of my parents' divorce and learning some things. So it's really funny how our career paths take us. But that one was a straight arrow, knew that was a passion of mine. And then you mentioned um, my book. So um, I started my practice when I had little kids. And after a while, I was just struck with my personal life and what I would encounter with my kids when we were out at the park or dance class. And then what I was seeing in my office day after day with parents coming in super frustrated that kids weren't listening. They didn't know how to parent them. They would sometimes be emotional, crying, frustrated, feeling guilty that they didn't even like their kids. So I kind of had my no wimpy parenting movement born um, years ago, over a decade ago, when I got really fired up about offering a service and coaching and tips to help parents feel more empowered to take back their power and just feel like 
there was calm in their house and structure and that the kids respected them. So that eventually morphed into my No Wimpy Parenting Handbook, which came out five years ago. Um, and it's still a passion of mine to offer that um, those tips to parents. And then you referenced the laughter, the comedy piece. That was the recent branch of my career. Uh, my email for my comedy uh, world is actually um, Kiki Comedy 2.0 to kind of nod at the second career. That's um, the newbie one, but we'll talk more about kind of how I got there. Um, but I've always pulled laughter and humor into my work, even with very serious clinical issues. Um, you know, I have a client that I worked with for over 12 years and we were dealing with her significant mental health past and her trauma history. Even with her, she and I would joke and laugh at times. And she kindly says, I'm the reason she's still here today. But even in those dark, dark, heavy sessions, I feel like laughter is so important. And of course, as you pointed out with the scene on the boat, I'm always the one that likes to get the laugh and cross the line and maybe push boundaries. So um, with my own path, I discovered that um, performing comedy was very healing for me, um, for myself. And it was this natural intersection of the higher calling I have to help people feel better. So that's the the roller coaster thus far. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so awesome. So tell us what makes you invincible. So I think we kind of overuse the word resilient, but I really do think I have that quality um, and I have an identical twin sister. And we sometimes joke about where's the line between resilient and just repressing everything that happened to us. <laughs> Still working on that. <laughs> We're all guilty, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, but I do have a high bounce back ability. I mean, life knocks us down and I tend to have this cheerful, optimistic reset that I come back to very quickly. And I do think that has helped me through a lot of life's moments. I can just reset and I wake up the next day and by golly, I'm cheerful and excited again. Um, so I think that helps. And then um, I'm also one of those people that finds joy in teeny tiny moments. I get excited about the new flavor of Frappuccino at Starbucks or seeing the cactus tacos or seeing like the little bloom of something I'm trying to grow on my back porch. Um, I just get really delighted with little, little moments that I think a lot of us or a lot of people might just blaze through living life a hundred miles an hour. So I think that helps me be strong. And then um, my faith is another one that for sure I've never felt alone. I've always kind of known that God's with me and the the footprints in the sand uh, poem that everyone loves to quote that very much resonates with me that during the toughest of moments, I know he was probably carrying me, maybe kicking and screaming sometimes, or I'm like falling out of his arms, but I do have that um, security too, that helps me feel strong and invincible to have my faith kind of always by my side. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited. I, you just really paved the way for our topic today, uh, which is laughing through the darkness. So as you talk about the footprints in the sand and all of that, right, we've all, everyone has dark times sometimes. Uh, but let's jump into this topic of laughing through the darkness. Tell us a little okay. bit about that. Well, I mean, so from, from the beginning of my career until more recently, um, as a culture, um, especially in our country, we've seen mental health has just become its own epidemic or pandemic. It's, I mean, for me, it's a silver lining that post COVID and the, that year of 2020, the COVID and then the racial injustices and war, it was like, it finally was that pressure that just had the explosion that let everyone many more people, I should say, admit, hey, I'm struggling. I'm going through a really tough time. So that's the silver lining is finally, I think there's a lot more um, awareness of, or, or I should say less stigma of just being able to talk about um, mental health struggles. Um, so for me as a psychologist, that's been very um, exciting to to see that, but it's also that pressure because now more than ever, 
There's a demand for services and it's harder to get in places. There's wait lists um, everywhere. People are a little bit skittish about doing therapy online. So um, it's a, a topic that I'm excited to hopefully give some tips for the traditional path. Um, you know, if you're ready to finally seek help through therapy or even some of these other tips, just using laughter and other creative ways to combat mental health struggles. Mm, I love that. So let's jump into that. Let's talk about some of these mental health struggles uh, that you're seeing post pandemic, because I know I, you know, as you say, like the, it's the pressure of the increase, right? In the, the people that need your services. And so let's talk about that. Yeah, I think that the two areas that we're really aware of um, or the two groups, I would say, are the young people, um, our youth, our teenagers and young adults um, are having higher levels of everything, depression, anxiety. We know that that suicide rates are higher than they've ever been for teenagers and young people. And even in, in my personal life, my um, our oldest is uh, in college. And she was having, we were getting these notices from her university about another suicide and about a rash of suicides. And it's hitting our college campuses like never before. So we know the young people, especially the risk for suicide is high. And then women are also very much um, struggling because we all know we, we like to do all the things and be the super mom, the super wife, the super employee. and that pressure, especially in the last few years of trying to keep our families afloat and still worrying about our job or worrying about people quitting at our job with a great resignation, still having to come home and figure out, are the kids okay? Did they learn anything today in virtual school? <laughs> Back in those days, women are also um, having quite a hit on our mental health. Mm, man, so scary. So, and you are mostly working with children at this point. So, um, but I, you know, before we hit record, I was actually talking a little bit about, you know, how could you be, have a child that's in distress and not as the parent be there too. Right. So this is yeah. very much a family uh, crisis when they're in a crisis. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this crisis. You know, um, one of the things we talked about was suicide. And one of the things I would love to share for the moms or grandmoms out there that are listening are some of the things to look out for. You know, so many times we hear that that there's been a suicide and the first response is, oh, I didn't see that coming. Right. But but there's got to be some signs that have that we have to be able to say we need to look into this. Um, and it's always in the looking back and then it's too late. So how can we support people by sharing some of these signs? Let's do it. Yes. Um, and, and my practice does specialize in kids and teens. But from that, that means we also do a lot of parent work, like you're saying, lots of parent and family work, because it all does go together. So we know some of the traditional signs. Of course, if you see your child or teen has withdrawn from their social life um, or from their activities, it's hard because teens love their rooms anyway. So as parents, we have to be kind of annoying about it and just keep opening that door and and see are they in there because they're a teenager and they just want to be on YouTube or are they in there because they're really not doing well and they're having trouble getting out of bed um but seeing those signs of um sleeping a lot grades plummeting um of course changes in energy or appetite and then the more obvious ones if they're talking about feeling hopeless or about just wanting to die of course we need to take those Seriously, but the biggest advice I try to share with parents is to not tiptoe around this topic. It's almost like when we used to tell parents about sex. Don't assume the kids are going to learn about it in school. You need to just say, hey, today we're talking about sex. So in the same way, suicide cannot be this taboo topic. It has to be um, asking them and even pointing to the media. Hey, I saw that there were um, other suicides announced at our local university. I wanted to check in with you and see, how do you feel about that? Have you ever felt like things were that bad where you wanted to die just to keep that as not a one and done? Like, oh, no, we, we talked about that last fall 
we're good. But to keep it as an ongoing topic and even the broader topic of mental health, how are you doing this week with your stress? How are you doing with your anxiety? How are you doing with your mood? Um, just really being very annoying and persistent with it. And even if they roll their eyes and ignore you and say, I'm fine, that can be critical to keeping the door open if they do have that tough day for them to know, oh, well, she's always asking me. So let me go find her now and tell her that I'm not doing well. Mm, I love that. That's so good. And then how do friends play into this? Like, you know, what is your advice in that area of, you know, we're as parents, we we're really careful, even as, as adults, we should be equally as careful for ourselves, right? Of, of who we're hanging around with and who's influencing us. But what would you say about that just as a therapist, but also as a parent of, you know, keeping an eye on your kids? Oh, you mean our kids, friends? Like yes. How how they, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. That, where's that, that one is, Yeah, that's hard. Um, because, again, we know the second you raise an eyebrow at your kids, friends, that's the one they love the most and, <laughs> and they insist they want to hang with. But we also know um, that. The, if if your kid is hanging out with a, a group of kids that engage in certain behaviors or think a certain way, it is contagious. They're very, very influenceable when they're young. So I would say um, it, it's the same thing just to keep the conversations going to ask about who they're hanging out with and what did they do. And also, I'm a big fan of having your home be the welcome place for your kids, friends um, or to say, hey. Why don't you have a bunch of your friends come with us to go get pizza or whatever? Because the more you can get to know them, the more you can also kind of have that um, inside knowledge and and be able to see red flags if they're if they exist. Yes, I love that. I remember as you know, as a parent, when my kids were younger, I learned more about the kids from taking them to somewhere in the car. They're in the back yes. seat. They're telling everything. They forget you're there. That's they right. just think you're the driver. So they're all telling stories about everything. And then you kind of have to make your mental notes like, oh, watch this one. Or <laughs> so that's, that's right. Yeah, that's so fun. So fun. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I, I know you kind of touched on this, but um, about like you, you knew when you were young that you wanted to be a therapist and you knew you wanted to be a, a child, you know, adolescent therapist. Uh, and I was going to ask you, you know, where did your passion come from that? And I feel like you kind of told that, but is there anything else you want to share? I mean, basically you're kind of saying like, because of your, you know, your growing up and not having that, that knowing and knowing you could have used it. So what, what do you have to say about that as far as parenting goes? And yeah. uh, because, you know, there's things that, you know, we can get in front of on that as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, sometimes parents will think about how their kid is doing and think, well, I don't know if this is normal. Maybe this is just a developmental phase. Maybe they'll grow out of it. They probably wouldn't want to go into therapy. So I find that parents think about seeking help for their kids or even for themselves, for that matter. I think as adults, we do the same thing. Like, uh, I should probably go see somebody again. I don't really want to see anybody. Then you Google a few places and you've got the numbers even, but then you don't call. And then maybe you email and even do that and get some responses back. So I think sometimes it's still intimidating to think of seeking help for yourself or for your kids, because that's the most intimate, vulnerable experience there is to sit there and tell your emotional story to someone. So for me, I know I turned out pretty okay. But I also I did have to fight some to get here. And I am armed with some natural talents that helped me um, not just give in to um, struggles or possibly go down a, a more negative path. So I guess I would just encourage parents, if you feel at all in your gut instinct that your kid could use some help or something's not quite right, just go ahead and get them into some therapy or even for adults. If you feel like you haven't been feeling your best for a while and you know, your mood is not as healthy as it could be just to take that step, to just make yourself call, even tell a friend I'm calling three places today to try to get therapy in place, have an accountability partner. But I know giving your kids therapy is a gift. And I know there were various reasons 
especially the decade I grew up in. It just wasn't a thing like it is now. But I know I could have benefited from that gift as a young person. I went to my first therapist at 22 when it was more of like an academic exercise because I was getting ready to go into grad school for psychology. And I thought, I should probably know what this is like. They always say, but it was very intellectual, academic. It wasn't <laughs> kind I could have used probably five years before that, you know? Sure, sure. Oh my gosh. Okay, and here's another question for you about parenting. So let's say you're a parent and you know your child needs help and your child is resisting. What do you do? How do you handle that? That's such a good question. It's probably one of the number one questions I get after I finished parent intake. And I'm like, yep, sounds like little Johnny could use some therapy. And then they ask, but what if he doesn't want to come? <laughs> so it's a great question. I mean, uh, I usually encourage parents to tie it into something that they know the kid is struggling with. So to say, well, hey, we know you've been frustrated that your friendships aren't going well. Or, hey, we know you've been really overwhelmed with how hard school is because you can't concentrate. Or we know how you've been really battling this anxiety and how it's making it hard to sleep. So to tie it into something that, that you know is bothering the kid and say, I found this place that I really think could help. Let's give it a shot. And I always tell parents, you can even say a number of sessions. Let's just give it three sessions and see how it goes. Um, so that's helpful. Then my other tip is to make it mandatory, but to give a choice within that. So this is in my book, actually. Like if you believe your kids should do a sport because it's good for them, say you got to do a sport, but you can choose any of the athletics that are there. So you can do that with therapy. Hey, we really think you need to um, try therapy. We think it could help all of us as a family, but we'll give you a choice. You can choose male, female. We're going to give you a list of five people we found and let you choose. So that always helps if the kid or teen feels like they have a little buy-in to it and not just like being driven to the appointment and say, you're going, you're meeting Dr. So-and-so today at three. Yeah, because we all like choices, right? So that, right. that sounds like a more gentle way. Okay, and now let's talk about crisis. So if there's a parent that's got a child that's in absolute crisis and we're already beyond that trying to, you know, coax them into going to a therapy session, where do people go? Who is there a place to call that's for children or just, you know, just what's going on in the world? What kind of support do we have now? Well, we know there's the suicide hotline, which was great that the the song um, made that number more memorizable for people. But it is very much dependent on where you live with what's available. So um, there are probably some national kind of crisis hotlines, though, that could feed into local ones that I can share with you to put in the show notes. So maybe um, parents could at least have a starting point that could then toggle through to where they live. Yes, because I think like that sometimes is the missing link, right? Or the weakest link is that as a parent, you're not really prepared for that, right? You have your pediatrician's number, you know, 911, you know, but then there are these, these specific things that we might need a quick expert for. And I think that's so important. So we'll definitely get that stuff together and we'll put that in the show notes for our listeners so they will have that. Anything else that you want to share about this that you think is so important for people to know that we have not covered yet? I would say in addition to therapy, um, which obviously I'm biased towards is helpful, I would also just want to remind people that there is so much research about other things that help our mental health. So um, I'm a big fan, even when I'm working with a new client um, for therapy or coaching, I start with the basics of, are you exercising many days a week? Because there's so much research to how exercise releases the same chemicals that an antidepressant does. So getting out in sunshine is linked to mental health benefits. Being in nature is linked to mental health benefits. So I always want to remind people just getting outside and moving can go a really long way in your mental health, feeling better, just doing something, just getting active. Um, and then, uh, uh, of course, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, some of my examples of when I turned to comedy, just doing something completely new and different. Again, just to challenge yourself and do something different can also be a good boost. 
I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about your book. I'm excited to talk about your book. So you have a book that you that you put out. It's called the No Wimpy Parenting Handbook, which sounds amazing. I always say parenting is not for cowards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be tough, right? So I love this No Wimpy Handbook you have. Tell us about that. What inspired it? Why do people want to get their hands on it and um, what they're going to learn? Yeah, so the the wimpy label came not trying to uh, judge parents, but it came from this style of parenting that I was seeing everywhere. And quite frankly, sometimes tempted to use myself because at the end of the day, we all want our kids to be happy and we prefer if they're not crying or mad at us. So there's the problem, right? So I would again, you know, when my kids were young, I would be at the roller skating rink and I would see a mom trying to wrestle her kid to put on roller skates and the kid would be losing it, insisting on going to the um, like little prize area where you go after the arcade and get prizes. And the mom was like, no, no, we're doing the arcade later. We're going to go skate now. And the kid's like, but I want the prize. And they keep going back and forth. And the next thing I know, the moms put the skates down, march the kid over to the prize counter. So then you know, when I see this kind of scene where then the kid is happy with the prize and the mom is sitting there and no one's roller skating, that kind of scene, that wimpy parenting where she didn't want a big scene. She didn't want her kid crying um, and, and having people look. But that is a major problem. We sometimes have to have our kids upset and they have to know in the moment. Sometimes they just have to do what we ask. So. I realized that with little kids of my own, it's a lot easier said than done. I would have the same dilemma. Okay, just go ahead and give in this time and let them read one more book because they're whining and moaning or be firm and say, nope, that's it, bedtime. So the book was a very exciting opportunity to take the advice that I'd been giving in my office for years and package it into something that everybody could access. And I always joke with my clients, but it's probably true that it's worth about four hours, four to five hours of coaching with me. So they can pay for the coaching time or get my $10 book and be armed with tons of information. And I made it a handbook on purpose, knowing how busy we are as moms. I wanted it to be something uh, somebody could put in their purse or their man bag, because men can read it too and read through it in one sitting and then be fired up and excited and ready to take back their power. So it's been exciting to take the No Wimpy Parenting brand and philosophy outside of the office, outside of parent workshops, and really have it be a tool that anybody can take advantage of. I love that. That's awesome. I, I need to read that as a grandparent, right? Like there's no rules. There's no rules. I just say yes to everything, <laughs> which can't be good. I know yes. the kids hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh here she comes right the yes lady and then they tell the kids like that's not the woman who raised me she said no to us all the time <laughs> i feel like you get a little bit more of a free pass grandparents are yeah. a different beast but i have had um parents of adults buy it of like young adults or college adults buy it and say hey these like the premise in this book is still something they can use with their their college age kid or teenager. So yeah, I'm going to give you a free pass personally for um, the grandmother one, but your kids might disagree with me there. <laughs> well, I think they've learned to just suck it up, I think. Well, also you're now offering coaching programs as well with coaching with humor. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm super excited again about kind of this hybrid of my two passions. So I mean, therapy, of course, is helpful and sometimes you just need therapy. But coaching, we know, has gotten a little bit trendier anyway with life coaching, where it's less uh, sort of diagnostic and mental health focused and more just how can we help you live a life that is more meaningful or has more joy? So my humor coaching is um, sort of taking this idea that we can use laughter and humor and some different um, tips around that and pull it into our difficult work environments, helping our team at work um, who's fighting all the time, helping us in our marriage, helping us in our friendships, helping us with our own mental health. So 
it's really kind of a customized experience, whatever it is that you want help with figuring out how to use some of the tenets around comedy and humor and laughter and pulling that into increasing your confidence, decreasing your anxiety and depression, and really just bringing more joy into your day-to-day life. I love that. That's And it makes it fun, right? Because you're actually healing you're developing, right? You're growing and, um, and, and you're having fun and laughing. And so it makes it less painful, I think. I exactly. And, and not everybody has to do the coaching with me and then start off on a stand-up comedy tour. It might just be that then they go into their next staff meeting or their next family uh, get together and they have more confidence or they feel like they know how to keep a conversation going better, or they can have little comments there that get a chuckle that help them feel more connected. So it can be very small shifts. It doesn't have to be some major, um, you know, becoming a comedian. I just like to go big. And when I go into something, I'm like, well, by golly, now I'm going to get into to stand up. <laughs> that is so fun. That is just so fun. I need to visit North Carolina and come to one of your little stand ups so I can yeah. live too. But I imagine, you know, even for the adolescent you know, if they know they're going to come to your office and right, like that initial thing is kind of scary. Like, oh, I have to tell my secrets or I have to this or that, right. Reveal my deepest thoughts. Uh, But when they come and they have fun and they laugh, I think that they would look forward to coming again. Like that would be the thing that was like, oh, she's super cool. I can't wait to go there and laugh with her again. And I think it takes the focus off of the hard work that you're actually doing with them. And it keeps it light. And I love that because we need to remove that stigma that we have right around therapy. Uh, It's a new world now. Everybody's doing it. (laughs) Right. But they're not all laughing through it. So I love that you're doing that. And I just want to ask you as well. I know you have your three locations throughout North Carolina, which all of that will be in the show notes for our listeners. But do you also provide um, virtual appointments for someone, say they live in another state and they can't come to your office? I'm so glad you touched on that. Yes, it's a very exciting time right now on on both fronts. So for therapy in the past, um, it was pretty rigid with licensure laws and state lines. But now we've had some new um, legislation that allows us to practice across state lines a lot easier. So for traditional therapy that my practice offers, um, there's a lot higher chances that we can help you if you're in another state. And then, of course, for coaching, Anybody can do that anywhere. You can be in Aruba doing coaching with me um, using the virtual platform. So, yeah, it's so nice now with the different options we have for telehealth and virtual sessions. Both are really available to um, to anybody anywhere. I love that. That's amazing. You're doing such a great work, Christy. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Well, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Okay, I think my practice website is a good hub um, to get started. So it's wins, like my last name, winsfamilypsychology.com. And that has information on our services, but also contact information for me if people want to get in touch with me directly about coaching or other opportunities. Perfect. And that will be in the show notes along with all of the other social media platforms where Christy is hanging out and making people laugh. So this has just been such a great conversation, Christy. I I just feel so blessed. And I want to say to our listeners, we need to give a big shout out to Kevin because he's the one (laughs) who facilitated all of this, right? If if he hadn't done that on the boat that night, as sick as he fell, (laughs) (laughs) uh, then, you know, we wouldn't be here having this conversation and bringing this important message to our listeners. So thank you so much for that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there 
that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. On the She's Invincible show, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them these fierce female entrepreneurs and we're going to spotlight their expert zone of genius and bring great value. And you did that so well today. Thank you so much. But we're not done because we also promised them that while we're doing that, we're also going to be authentic and we are going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly of the journey because. People look at you now and think, oh, she's so lucky. She's so successful. She's beautiful. She's funny. I mean, we just keep adding to the accolades, but they have no idea the price you paid for the success that you enjoy today. And so they're they're out there comparing and all of those things. And so we'd love to like really be authentic and share because at the end of this conversation, they're going to say, if she can do it, so can I. So are you ready to share some fun stories today or not so fun? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for both. I'm okay. ready for both. So super. And this is going to be fun. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. And we want to give a shout out to one of our amazing followers, Susan Harrow. She says this is a, a episode that she listened to and she submitted a review and wanted to give a shout out to one of our guests. She says, your interview with Judy Fox was so energizing. I love that you both noted that when you appear on stage or on a show with someone famous, you're seen as equals. That's what publicity can do for your audience as well. When they appear on a respected show, they are both seen as a respected and revered expert. And she says, great, upbeat energy. So we want to give a great big shout out to Susan. Harrow for this, just taking the time to submit this review. Thank you, Susan. We appreciate your loyalty to our show and the great value that you bring. Now, Chrissy, back to you. Oh my gosh, let's do it. We're going to jump in. We're going to first tell a story about the good. So share with us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. I think it would have to be, it's hard to choose, but um, my practice just had our milestone anniversary last fall. We hit 15 years. And to think of where we started and how we have come so far, it was such an amazing, amazing milestone for us. Um, of course, we had a big fancy party for our staff and a community event, but um, especially for for dear Kevin that we've talked about. Knowing he and I started it, it really was a, a mom and pop practice where we didn't know what we were doing. Neither of us had any experience with business. I was a psychologist and he was a graphic designer. 
And we just kind of went step by step from a part time with shared furniture office to where we are now with our three locations and our amazing staff um, where we've been able to attract other providers who have that passion for children and youth. Um, It's been so exciting and it might seem small, but to me, I still feel this little thrill when I walk into my office and I see this sign that says Wins Family Psychology. I feel such pride to see my name on the door and to know we have that name recognition where if I'm in the community talking to someone, they they perk up and they're like, oh, we know your practice. We sent our kids y'all for testing uh, years ago, or I call it the power of three, where somebody will call up and they'll say, well, after our pediatrician and my kid's teacher and my neighbor all said, oh, do you want to get your kid help? You've got to go to Wins Family Psychology. That kind of compliment where multiple people know us and think of us is um, super heartwarming. And we just won some local award that was very exciting for uh, being one of the best psychology practices where we got to get all dressed up and go to a gala. So um, that's definitely been quite the ride, but very exciting to see where we are now and to even keep dreaming about what is next to come. That is amazing. Congratulations. I look at you in front of me and think how she had this practice for 15 years <laughs> because that's a big part of your life. That's a lot of the years of your life. So it's it like, is. did you start when you were three? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I was a did. child prodigy. So actually I was 10, but close enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so great. So great. Okay. Well, that was so amazing. And congratulations to you. And we Thank know you. it's not easy to start a business like that and then to be able to scale it to that many places and be able to have an impact with, you know, helping people and providing jobs, right? And in, in this crazy world we're in. So I love that. I love how you're contributing. And that that, you know, and I say to people a lot, like that's why you have to do, you know, what you're called to do because there's other people attached to that, right? If you weren't doing yeah. it, these other people wouldn't be going to work every day. Right. Like it's it's just not just about you. It's like you're the one who starts it, but everybody is affected. So I, I think love that. about that all the time. I think about that now. It's not just me and my family that depends on this practice, but many, many people. And I forgot to say we started it in 2007 when there was this thing called a recession going on when nobody in their right mind would start a business. Um, so we had that that pressure too of really not being a great time to have a practice going. And we just wore all the hats. We were the, I was the psychologist, the lady that answered the phone, the scheduler, the cleaner, the test orderer, and Kevin wore all the other hats in between us. We got it done. Oh my gosh, you guys, you've got to be so proud. And I'm sure your community is just looking up to you as well because you're making such a big difference. That's amazing. All right. Well, that was fun. But guess what? Guess what's coming? Yes, we have to talk about the band. So we'll save the ugly for last. But tell us a quick story about the band part of the journey. Yeah, interestingly, it's the story of how Wins Family Psychology was born. Um, Before I started my own practice, um, I was at another group practice working for someone else right out of grad school. And I just hit four years at this practice, feeling really good about my my path at that point. I had kind of gotten out of the green days and I was feeling like I'd hit my stride. And in our world, you kind of work by contract years. You just agree to work for the year and then renew it. And it goes on and on. So she told me without any kind of warning that she wasn't renewing my contract, that my time with her practice was over. So essentially, I was out of a job. So I was extremely shocked and surprised, very upset because I thought we had a good connection and I was doing great work. And I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old and we had just bought our first family car. (laughs) Um, So I was devastated. Um, And I, I did take a few days to feel very sorry for myself and cry and rage and all that. But then I thought, um, I guess I'll just start my own thing. And literally three weeks after she gave me the news um, about not continuing on, I started Wins Family Psychology. And 
put out my shingle and started seeing clients and and here we are now. So it it was a very cool example. I, I am a weirdo. I think that I like to talk about failure because I think the the diamonds that come out of that that time the coal is buried in the earth and getting all the pressure. It's just the amazingly beautiful what can come out of those failures or that feel like failures at the time. I agree. I say that all the time. And that's what we talk about on the podcast is that, you know, we are as we're going through it, we think we're never going to make it right. This is the worst thing I've ever gone through. Uh, it's it's terrifying and devastating. And then when we get to the other side, we realize how grateful we are because it's in the bad and the ugly that we learn the most. We get we yeah. become courageous, right? We become creative. Uh, and it, it forces us to to really tap into resources that we don't use on a regular basis. And at the end of the day, we end up being grateful because we can honestly look back and say, if it wasn't for that horrible thing, I wouldn't be here enjoying this beauty. And right. so I love that you brought that up because and you know, what's really striking as well is that and I'm glad you brought this up is that you had two little kids. <laughs> and when you were talking about the good and the great. Like yeah. you built this business and it's 15 years strong. And when you were doing all the jobs, you had two toddlers at home. Yeah. Yes. And yes. you and Kevin had two. Like it's one yes. thing to have a different business partner, but when the same <laughs> two people are taking care of the same two toddlers and yes. building the same business. That's insane. So, I mean, oh, my gosh, hats off to you and him for pulling it off and not just pulling it off, but really, really taking it to a level that is just even unheard of. So I just love that. Well, thank you. And what's neat is our kids um, are girls. So even though they have been witness firsthand many times to the blood, sweat and tears that got us here, I also think it's really cool for their development to be she's invincible guest someday. They don't know anything other than a mom who was the boss and the practice owner and the one doing all the things. And they have been basically absorbing that model from the time they were little, where they now think they can do whatever they want. Women can do whatever guys can. Um, even though Kevin's helped me, he still pursued his own career. So it's really been my baby. And every time I check that box on the forms where you check, like, are you a minority owner? or a woman owner, I still feel weird that we should check that, that that is something. But then I also still think, hey, I am um, doing something that is still considered noteworthy to be a, a woman owner. So I like that our girls have been able to soak that up too. I love that too. And one thing I want to say about that is, boy, those partners are going to have to go through some real screening <laughs> for those girls because they've got high standards, right? They, they've got this yes, mom who, yeah, and then they've got the dad who who did the things, right? Yeah. So like their expectations are way off the chart, which I love. And I think that's amazing. And so no slackers. Like, there's no, no slackers. slackers. They're going to be like, stand next to my dad for a minute. I'm going to need five minutes here. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that's really cool. I think that's so amazing. Uh, you know, the kids, they they catch it more than they're taught, right? It's more yeah. what's taught than taught. And they've watched yeah. you do this together. And they've watched you suffer together and celebrate together. And uh, there's that is such a win. Ha! No pun intended. Ah! <laughs> I love it. See, maybe I could do stand up with you too. All right. So somehow we just made the bad fun. Now we yes. have to talk about the ugly. Okay. Uh, yes. Tell us a story about the ugly part of the journey. So like much of the world, post-pandemic, post-COVID, I realized I wasn't doing very well with my mental health, but but the the path was really interesting. Um, so, you know, when COVID hit, I think I rode an adrenaline wave for a year. I mean, I was panicking about, are we going to be able to keep the practice afloat? How are we still going to be able to see the clients? Telehealth? Oh, okay. So I guess we're doing this telehealth now thing. How do we do payments? It was a ride. And I really did ride that adrenaline for a very good year, keeping the practice afloat, worrying about my kids in virtual school. Were they learning anything? Having my marriage take a hit from being trapped in the house together, stressed, 
with kids around. So the summer of 2021, I kind of came up for air and realized I was a mess. And even though I'm a psychologist, I am not the best at paying attention to my own emotional state. Um, I say this in one of my uh, stand-up bits, but I say my favorite ways of dealing with emotions are denial, repression, and bourbon. So (laughs) I really had not been aware of how bad I was doing until it kind of hit me. And I actually had one very notable day. um, I was on my deck and I got struck with a very dark thought, one that I never had before. And it, it was a thought that scared me to death where I literally got up, took my phone and started walking. And we have like this cute little lake in our neighborhood. So I started walking, kind of freak, freaking out about how bad I was doing and this dark thought I had. So I guess I would say that was a little bit of a wake up call that I needed to do more than my typical self-care. I've always been good at exercising. I've always been good about socializing, as you saw on the boat. <laughs> but uh, I knew I needed to go to another level that I'd never gone to before. So um, in addition to getting back into my own therapy, that's when I found comedy and not to make the ugly cheerful again, but it really did kind of save me that that summer. I thought I'm just going to do something wild and crazy because I like to scare myself anyway. I think that's an important part of being human. We should do things to push ourselves. So I took an improv comedy class um, that was more that group kind of thing, like on whose line is it anyway? And I liked it. And then I was like, ah, I really like the spotlight. So I wanted to get into stand up and then to have an open mic night. Um, Dare, my my best friend dared me if I got on stage and did an open mic that she and her husband would go camping with us. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so scariest thing I've ever done, but it was well received. And then I had this crazy path of people noticing and booking me for things. And then a really famous nationally known comedian noticing me and thinking I had natural talent and staying connected with me. And then sort of the peak so far has been to open for him in March um, for this nationally known person to be the opener. And people are like, who is this Kiki? And I'm like, hi guys, I'm new to comedy, but what a ride and really having comedy and laughter and just paying attention to how poorly I was doing and finally talking about it was really important. It was also a time where you really learn who your people are. And I knew I had um, friends and family, but that sort of whittled the list. Like I knew who my true friends were um, and the people that I could really turn to. And I I also, this again, you're going to say, but aren't you a psychologist? But I really had had that as a turning point for not being afraid of my own tears and of my own story. Um, and now I feel like crying uh, <laughs> telling you that. But, right now. <laughs> but my normal thing would be to insert a joke here, but I'll just sit with that and say that, that I had to learn that. And my best friend actually helped me with that where I learned I could have tears and not have to be silly or embarrassed or covered up and just say, yep, they're here and they're here for a reason. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being with us, for sharing so much, for being so authentic. I mean, this isn't just you, this is your whole family. This is, you guys are making such a huge impact in the world. And I just am amazed and feel so lucky to have met you Aww, in that little two guys. hour window under the sunset, <laughs> right? On this Perfect. fun boat in Aruba. And I can't wait to do it again. So much fun. Please don't forget. I, I want the invite back. <laughs> I won't forget. I promise. I promise. So before we say goodbye, how about, and I know I'm putting you on the spot now, tell us one of your favorite funny jokes. Oh. <laughs> Well, I gave you my um my bourbon one. Do you want a cheesy joke versus like an actual bit? Because I have a cheesy yeah. one I can tell yeah. you. Tell us your cheesy one. Um, so why should <laughs> why should people 
be afraid of the paleontologist? I don't know. Because you'll get Jurassic. kicked. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was awesome. <laughs> Tease us with the cheese. I love it. Oh my gosh. Hashtag winning right here. Hashtag winning. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so happy to leave you guys with a funny, funny note here um, after a serious conversation. But I think Christy did a beautiful job of showing you how you can go through the darkest, darkest moments of your life and still find joy in the laughter and uh, the healing that comes with it. Thank you so much, Christy. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. Just get back up. Tell them, Christy. Get back up and move. Don't sit in it. Move. Do something. Take a walk if you have to, like I did. Go to the lake. Call a friend. Move. Oh, that's awesome. So get back up and don't forget, click the link in the show notes so you can be friends with my friend, Dr. Kristen Wins. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.